I am India Ari, and this is my podcast, Songversation, where I choose one of my songs and I riff on that song. Simple as that. This is episode eight, Songversation, Ready for Love. And I'm excited about this one. I say that every time I do an episode, and it's true. These songs are, they're my life's work. And I am enjoying talking about them, which is obviously why I'm doing this podcast. And having said that, this song, Ready for Love, it is one of my favorite songs. um, One of the songs that are dearest to my heart. But the story of Ready for Love, it's perfect timing for that too. So let's get into this. Episode 8, Songversation, Ready for Love. Welcome to Songversation, Ready for Love. This has actually been the most requested song. But I held back from doing this episode for a few reasons. I told you in the last episode that I wanted to shore up my tools. And so that is why the episodes were not as um, frequent. And the reason for wanting to shore up my tools is because these stories are so personal. I'm learning what this podcast really is for me. And I decided that in order to do this, that I wanted to be sure that I was doing it independently In fact, I am actually my own engineer. I have also engineered most of my vocals over the years, and so this is kind of how I like to do things. I wanted to shore up my tools, and that is what I've done. The reason why this is so important to me is because I signed a record deal that lasted for 17 years. And so my autonomy in business is precious to me, very precious. And so I wanted to do this independently, and I have achieved that this is the first episode that is done that way and so i am hoping that the sound quality is good and that everything sounds good to y'all let me know how you feel about that and which leads me to my second announcement i started an instagram page called songversation podcast sometimes people get it mixed up and they think i'm saying songversations i'm not i'm saying songversation podcast so go there follow me there Send me some DMs and I will accept all DM requests. And um, also I'll follow you back from that account. I'll follow all of y'all. It'll be my pleasure because this Instagram page, I see it as our space. And as you've, if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me say many times. And if this is your first time listening, you're going to hear me say it for the first time, but not the last. That the heart of a songversation really is about using music as a tool to have deeper conversation. And so having this Instagram page is just a way for us to be in deeper communication. And so some of the things that I reference here, I want to go ahead and put them on the Instagram page, like, you know, videos I reference or things I talk about in the world. For example, my last episode, I talked about Hawaii. I have pictures of that. And so I would love to put some of that stuff on the Instagram page. And 
um, I want your questions. I love adding your voice to this recording. And so leave me your videos or your voice messages. And I'm only going to use the audio. Although if you leave me a video, I may end up posting those on the Instagram page too. I think that would be so fun. But I want to hear your questions and your thoughts and the songs that you want to hear me do songversations about. And the songs that you want to hear me do a songversation about. And um, what you like and what you don't like and even if you just want to send me some love, I want your messages. And so follow me there. Send me some DMs. I'm accepting them all and I'm following everybody back. So Songversation Podcast. And the other reason and maybe the highest reason that I waited until today to do Songversation Ready for Love is because until I shored up my tools and until I was sure that I was independent, I didn't want to tell this story because this is, they, these are all stories that I hold dear to my heart, but this one I hold especially dear. And also even more dear now because my beloved Blue Miller passed away on August 11th. And so what better time to do Songversation Ready for Love and to honor Blue and to honor the song and to honor myself and to honor my autonomy and to honor the story of a song that I love so much that's taken me so many places. And so now that I've got that out of the way and got that into the mix, let's get into songversation, ready for love. I have a lot to tell. Now is a perfect time to listen to the song. This is ready for love. I am here 
That is Ready for Love from my first album, Acoustic Soul. It was released in 2001 on Motown Records. I also, just because I like saying it, (laughs) have released six other albums. And Acoustic Soul was my first album in 2001. Voyage to India in 2003. Testimony Volume 1. Life and Relationship in 2006, Testimony Volume 2, Love and Politics in 2009, Songversation in 2013, um, India Ari and Joe Sample, Christmas with Friends in 2015, and Songversation Medicine in 2017. And just now in um, the spring of 2019, my eighth album, Worthy, will be released so excited but also if you're listening september 15th my new single comes out oh my goodness we're gonna have to do a special episode of songversation podcast for that one (laughs) but um today is all about songversation ready for love so i would say this is an auspicious moment it is 3 33 a.m so what better time to go ahead and get into the origin story of the song Ready for Love. One of the things I've really been loving about Songversation, the podcast, is the opportunity to remember, to remember where I came from and how I got here and where I'm headed and what I want to do next. And so it's been really a joy remembering all the stories around these songs With this song, Ready for Love, it's a little bit different because there's a story around this song that I actually think about quite a bit. And so I can't remember exactly the year, but I think I wrote Ready for Love around 1998. So I was probably 23 years old or something like that. And I was living with the roommate. My roommate, his name was Eric Coburn, and I was his roommate, not because he needed a roommate, but because um, he wanted some energy in the house. And so I was sitting on, 
his back porch, our back deck, <laughs> and I was writing songs. And I, been, I was working on Ready for Love for several hours or maybe even a couple of days. And I got to a breaking place with the song where it started to really take shape. And my guitar fell over and broke. The neck broke. It was a starburst guitar. I'm going to try to put a picture of what a starburst guitar looks like on the Instagram. And I got the distinct feeling like um, it was time for that guitar to go because that was an auspicious sign of something really special just happening. And then I talked to my mother later that day and I told her I'm working on this song and it really is giving me, um, I have a feeling about it. I've, I haven't, I've only said that I have a feeling about this song statement one other time. And that was for a song on songversation called life. I know it was just like, there's just something about this. And so I co-wrote this song with my friend Blue Miller, which is for me the a wonderful reason why I should do this episode, Songversation Medicine, today. Blue and I were working on my first demos together. Um, I met a lady who was part of a label and she wanted to sign to bring me in to be signed, and she put me with her friend Blue, and it ended up being my Blue Miller. And so I had this really developed concept of what the song could be and I brought it to Nashville to Blue and we really um, brought the song to life together and so um, that guitar lick that opens the song all that is Blue and then a lot of the lyrics and him helping me really flush the lyrics out and tell the story I wanted to tell that was one of our creations one of our earliest creations and so the other thing something I really loved about Blue was that he was a wonderful storyteller and over the years people would tell me that they would ask him questions about me and he would tell them these really cool stories always in a really loving manner about me and so um one of my friends who loves my music said, you know, he was asking Blue questions about me and our our journey together. And that Blue told him I recorded the vocal for Ready for Love in one take. I don't remember that, but I do remember it being really fast. And when I heard that story, I actually told Blue, I don't know if it was one take or not, but I remember at least two takes. <laughs> because um, the high part, things with his heart. Something like, you know, your voice is, is the instrument, is the sound your body makes. And so your body makes a lot of other sounds too. And so I had like a little mucus in my throat or something that made a little clip noise. And we, I remember us listening back to the vocal and he said, I just think you should fix that one little piece. So I literally, I literally went back in the booth and sang that little piece, whatever it was, it was a really little piece and the song was done. And... I really, I remember that fondly. I remember breaking my guitar. I remember singing that extra piece with Blue. The other thing I remember about Ready for Love is that um, Blue and his wife had bought a little house in another neighborhood. I can't remember now, but Blue and his wife lived in Franklin, Tennessee, which is a, a you know outside of Nashville, um, a very developed city outside of Nashville. Back then when I started coming in 98, it was, you know, pretty much country, but it's become really developed now in like one of the cool areas of Nashville. 
and then they but they bought a house blue and his wife beth bought a house i don't remember the area now but i feel like it may have been like it was in the more cosmopolitan nashville area as i recall it was a little house with like a um, garage port thing and i might be getting this story kind of mixed up but this is what i remember blue's wife had a daughter named leah and um, blue and beth were together for 47 years at the time of Blue's passing um, a couple weeks ago on August 11th. So Blue had always been in Leah's life. and But Leah was, you know, a little bit older. I don't know how old she is now, maybe in her mid-50s or something. I don't know. Um, but she was a little bit older, and um, I don't exactly know why, but she was looking for a house or maybe she was coming from a different state or coming through a different era in her life or something like that. And she met this man and they fell madly in love and they moved into this house. And so um, I said all of that to say that Blue and I recorded all of the songs we wrote together on Acoustic Soul in Leah's house, which is now, I think she said it's her bedroom now. And so I fondly remember that house. I remember the studio being in there. I remember the carport. I remember breaking my guitar. I remember doing that one little edit on the vocal and I just remember writing the lyrics with Blue and him going into the booth and playing the guitar. And what I have loved all these years about having done that song with him is when we perform the song live, we always put it very late in the show because it's something that people always really want to hear. And I don't, you know, generally when you go to a concert, people put whatever the hit songs or the most desired songs at the end to keep people waiting and keep their attention and stuff like that. I put the songs wherever they go inside of the story that I want to tell with the set list. But Ready for Love generally ends up being at the end because for me, love is always the answer and the question. And so um, what I what I fondly remember is all those nights singing Ready for Love at the end of the show and Blue actually playing the guitar and it sounding like the record because he did play the record and he wrote the record. And I always thought that was just so, what's the word? It always felt so, I felt so fortunate. I felt so fortunate and so blessed that I had this all-star guitar player, Blue Miller, in my band and then playing the song that he wrote and recorded with me, behind me. Like, it just always, I just always felt so blessed. And so, I want to tell you a little bit about Blue in this next segment. Just a moment ago, talking about Blue, I said that he, I always felt very fortunate to be working with him because I felt like I was working with an all-star. And I said that because Blue had a whole life and career and everything before he met me. And so I don't know everything about Blue's career at Blue's um, homegoing service, his funeral. I learned a lot about him. For the first time, I saw pictures of him as a child and all these things that I never really considered because to me, he was just my songwriting partner and my guitar hero. And so I never considered certain things about him. But this is what I do know. At 17 years old, Blue went from high school, from home in the Michigan, Detroit area on to be on tour with Bob Seger. And he had to get a permission slip from his parents to do this tour. And so 
Bob Seger is the guy, you know, the truck commercial, like a rock, strong as they can be, like a rock. That's Bob Seger. And so Blue, in his mid-late teens, ended up touring with Bob Seger, so you know he could play. And um, at some point, he toured with Isaac Hayes. And there was an era right there in the mid-90s where I was really into country music. Still to this day, three of my favorite artists are um, Vince Gill, Trisha Yearwood, Colin Ray, Brian White, um, Bonnie Raitt. I don't know if I really put her in the country category, but Bonnie Raitt, these, James Taylor. These were some of my favorite musicians. But in that 90s era, there was Vince Gill, Colin Ray, Brian White, and... Um, there was this song that I would hear on the radio that I just thought was a cute ditty. Like it was like, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I didn't know who it was, but it ended up being Blue's band. Blue had a fairly successful country band once he moved from um, he moved from the Atlanta area and finally moved to Nashville with his wife. And when he got here at some point, he started this country band. They were called the Gibson Miller Band. So you can look them up and hear hear some of their songs. And when I met Blue, he was singing the songs to me. And I was like, I know that song. And I, and I did. It's funny. I can't remember it right now. But there was one about something about Texas. But um, those that's what Blue's done that I know about. There's also a band you could look up called Blue October. And Blue October is led led by a singer songwriter named Justin Furstenfeld, and Justin and I were 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 working with the same talent scout, and she put us both with Blue, and so I kind of came up with Justin in our very very early years. We were both writing songs with Blue. So anybody out there who knows the band Blue October, Blue had something to do with that as well. And just you know, he had done a lot of stuff. Blue started playing guitar at six years old, and so. He bought the full power of all of his education and life and experience and life force energy to stage with me. And I really sincerely always felt fortunate. Like I was playing with obviously a very great musician, but somebody who was very special and accomplished and who would take the time out to play with me. And so when we would sing Ready for Love, it spelled it felt extra special because we wrote it together. He's the guitar player from the song. And anybody who's seen me in concert, you know, I would say Blue and I wrote this song together. And now it's been about 20 years ago. And, you know, you learn a lot about life in hindsight. And so one of the greatest experiences of my life was writing and working with Blue and especially touring with him and being on stage with him in concert was one of the highlights of my life and my career and Ready for Love will always be something that I think of as a creation of Blue and I. And it's interesting, I'm gonna be going on tour soon um, with this new album, Worthy. And I just wonder when Blue's memories are gonna pop in, you know, and how it's gonna feel. It's been really interesting working through the loss of him because he reminds me not just of music, but of my music, of our music. And so I think I'm going to be working through this for a while. Um, but but um, blessedly so, because, you know, it was an honor to, to know Blue 
and to have him love me and respect and honor me the way that he did. So, <laughs> that's the story of Ready for Love. The other thing that I want to say about this song is that for many years, Ready for Love was a prayer. So when I wrote it back in the late 90s, when I was in my early 20s, at that time, I had been in some relationships, but they were always just kind of short-lived and tumultuous, basically just lessons and experiments and stuff. And I remember getting to the age where I felt like I was ready to really take a chance on a more committed relationship with someone where we could settle into an experience together and learn about the ups and downs of love. And I was ready. And I was thinking about it a lot at that time in my life, just when I would have my first real committed long-term relationship. And actually it didn't happen for maybe two or three years after Blue and I wrote this song. And so it certainly was a prayer for that era of my life. And then I was also newly famous and I was on the road and touring and traveling and struggling with all of that. And I didn't have love in my life. So I was like giving all my energy out and not having anyone pour back into me. I mean, fans, yes. And it feels good to achieve your dreams and to be loved and respected and enjoyed by people. But on that personal level, just having somebody who gives back to you, I didn't have that. And for a lot of my career, I haven't had that, but that's a different conversation, which I guess is probably why I said earlier, the song Life I Know, when I wrote it, I said, I have a feeling about it. I'm just realizing now there's a connection between Ready for Love and Life I Know. But back to the point. Um, still to this day, I sing Ready for Love and I say always it is a prayer because I'm always thinking about not just interpersonal love, but love as an energy and how to bring more into my life because it feels better to love than not, you know? And so for me saying I'm ready for love and saying that I'm open to it and I'm calling the energy in is, is in it of itself a prayer and an act of kindness towards the self. But then there is, not but, and then there is also that quality of the song that is about longing. And so sometimes I would sing the song and think, am I singing my longing into existence? And so when I sing it, I'll go to this place in my heart where, although the words may be telling a story of longing, what I feel in my heart is just an openness, an open-hearted sensation where I'm singing to the universe about accepting the love coming to me from all places. And so all these years, Acoustic Soul was released in 2001. And so all these years that I've been touring and singing the song Ready for Love, it is always a prayer. And the prayer has over these years taken on different shape. This last era of my life, I'm sorry, not this last, this current era, <laughs> let me put it that way, this current era of my life, I've been in a relationship um, for a couple of years. And 
when I sing the song Ready for Love, I don't feel longing, but I do sing it for the people who are longing and waiting for the right person to come along. And I also sing it just as that open-hearted story about love. And just about songwriting in general, there's something really interesting about how, for me, and I think a lot of songwriters have this, I think, but for me, it's interesting how the songs take on new meaning as you grow. And just all my songs have that quality. Like, it's really... It's really almost eerie because it'll be laser point accuracy, but about something else. (laughs) Oh, goodness. And so this last few years that I've been thinking about if I want to have children, I mean, I always thought I would and that it would just be a natural thing that happened. And people say that like that. And so I figure that it'll happen when it's meant to happen for me, but it hasn't. And so sometimes I sing ready for love and I think ready for that kind of love. So we'll see what happens in these next couple of years. But. Um, when I think about the lyrics to the songs, I will learn what you teach and do the best that I can. All the joy and the pain and all the time that it takes just to stay in your good graces. Like, that sounds like parenthood to me. My my brother has a three-year-old daughter now and I'm watching him raise her. I'm learning really about the sacrifices that parents make and the, the love that goes into that sacrifice. That's a lot of, it's a lot. And so it's so funny. I'm thinking about Blue now because that was his line, just to stay in your good grace. Oh, man. So, I think maybe that's my story for this songversation, Ready for Love. I'm searching my mind to see if there's anything else that I wanted to say about it. There is a little bit more. There's a little bit more I want to say. What I have learned about this song over the years and the way that audiences have experienced the song Ready for Love, there's so much that I didn't understand that I'm learning over the years that people are telling me. And so I was talking to someone who works with artists recently, and they were saying that singers would come in and they would pick one of two songs. It would be like one of two. And it was either... um, Adele, Hello from the Other Side, or whatever it's called. Hello, I don't know what it's called. Um, I think it's called Hello. So it would either be Adele, Hello, or it would be Ready for Love. And now I'm in the music industry, so I think about what's a hit and what's big and what's not big and da-da-da. And all these years I've just been working, so I don't know what people think or what they feel. I just know that I'm working to make to provide something for people to feel about, you know? And so when they told me that, I really started going back in my mind to social media and just how many people sing Ready for Love and remembering my own feelings, like being in that house that day in the neighborhood in Nashville in the little house with the carport in the old bedroom. I remember that feeling of what it felt like in my body to sing the first lines. I am ready for love. That feeling. And I I feel like it's that feeling that draws people to the song. You know, the melody and the feeling and the way that it feels to sing those notes and the longing and the the poignancy. And I, I am honored to say that I think Blue and I wrote 
a classic. <laughs> Might go down in the books as a classic. There's something else that I just thought about with this song as well. I want to go back into this music industry conversation for a second because I released Acoustic Soul in 2001. And it didn't sell a lot. It sold under a million copies. And back then in 2001, under a million was bad. <laughs> you know, album sales changed with downloading music and then iTunes. It really changed. But back then, if you sold under a million, it was not good numbers. And so I had sold under a million copies, but I had a lot of critical acclaim. And so I sat the 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 head of my label at the time his name is Kidar Massenberg he was the head of Motown and he came to eat with me at my hotel and I asked him if I get some Grammy nominations this was like November December the Grammy nominations always came out in January and I asked him if I get some Grammy nominations would you let me make a video for Ready for Love and he said, well, I heard you're going to get about three or four. And so he set it up for me to get the video made. We did it very inexpensively. He found um, a, a new, mostly unknown director named Sana Hamry, who's gone on to direct lots of stuff on TV and, and movies. She did the movie Just Right. She's done episodes of Nashville and... Um, Gosh, she did all those videos for Prince. She did, um, what's the show I'm thinking of? Empire. She's done a lot of stuff. She's like one of the people that people look, one of the women that people look at in the film industry and like as like one of the women who are very successful and balling out of control, basically. She's accomplished a lot. And, you know, but back then she was really doing music videos and she was a person who wanted to only, not only, but the way she would say it to me is that she mostly wanted to work with artists whose whose message she could get behind. And so he called her and asked her if she would do this video and she found this wonderful restaurant. And I, back then we had two-way pagers. I got on my two-way pager and just texted all my friends and asked, would they come be in my video? And everybody showed up. Kindred, the family soul. I'm gonna say these names. If you don't know who they are, I'm gonna try to put them on the Instagram too. Kindred, The Family Soul, um, Granique, Nona Hendrix from LaBelle, uh, Freddie Jackson, um, Renee Neuville from Janet, um, Anthony Hamilton before Anthony had released. I think he had recorded an album that didn't come out or something and he was just still in the mix of working his way to the public eye. But Anthony Hamilton was in my video. Music Soul Child. Um, the cello player was my friend, Okori Johnson, who I was playing with when I was an independent artist. We do shows together sometimes. And I asked him if he would just come do the video. And it's funny now, I remember we shot the video in December because it was Okori's birthday. I'm trying to see if there's anyone else there who's who I can't remember in the moment. I, no one else is coming to me, but if you watch the video and look closely, you'll see people you know. And just, yeah, so I petitioned my label to be able to make this video because of, a, as I've said a few times in this song versation, Ready for Love, I had a feeling about that song. And if you've been following this podcast, you can go back and listen to, I feel like episode nine, where I really talk about, no, no, no. Episode eight, episode eight, little things. 
Songversation Little Things, where I really talk about my journey with the Grammys because a month after shooting that video, I was at the Grammys and having this experience. So I'm not going to go into all that here. I've talked extensively about it. But yeah, that is, that's the story of Ready for Love. The story of the writing and the partnership and the performing and the video and the way that it, and, and its life in the world. And I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed this conversation for all of the, all of the things that has helped me to remember about myself. And so I want to right now speak a closing affirmation that myself and everyone listening to this podcast that you received whatever 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 truth you were meant to receive whatever message you were meant to receive from this podcast and i say that because this one is about ready for love and ready for love still is my prayer so whatever it is that you came here to hear i pray that you hear it and um I pray that all we all in these crazy and tumultuous times where it's easier to close your heart, that we have discernment about who and what we open our heart to and that we know how to, even with a protected heart, still walk through the world in a loving manner. And I pray that anyone who's waiting for love that it comes at the right way, at the right time, and that we are all able to accept whatever lessons love brings because life is about lessons. And I have learned when they come through love, they add to your life in ways that you could have never imagined. I promised myself that I was not going to cry. Shoot. <sighs> I promised myself that I was not going to cry on this episode, but now just saying those last words, it really just made me remember all the love that Blue brought to my life through our shared creations. I'm going to really miss him. And this is a lesson about a hard lesson that has come through love. And I'm grateful that I, I knew Blue and that he loved me too. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, I'm back. I'm okay now. And so, lastly, I want to say in this closing affirmation that I want to thank all of you for your love of my music. And those of you who know my mission and support me, I thank you. The one thing that I have learned from the passing of my friend is that your gifts, they go with you when you go. You can leave behind recordings or paintings or images or a legacy of some sort of whatever your gifting is. You can leave it behind, 
But once you're gone, there will be no one else who can create more new work just like yours. There are plenty of guys with rocker voices who play guitar and are amazing people and whatever. There are plenty of it. There's plenty of black women who will come along, who will play instruments and sing songs about love and heart and spirituality before me and after me. But there will never be another person who is just like Blue, who came from where he came from, who started playing guitar at six years old and who played with Isaac Hayes and Bob Seger and India Ari and Justin Furstenfeld and Blue October and who's done all the things he's done, who smelled like Blue and smiled like Blue and had Blue's humor and his integrity and his way with people and his powerful storytelling and his guitar playing and the way he played and the way his guitar sounded and the way it sounded in his hands like there'll never be another exact blue and so that has inspired me to give everything that I can of my gifts and of myself while I'm here and not in a morbid way but this is a lesson I've learned through love and so May we all learn our lessons through love. (laughs) A little bit concerned that this episode is getting a little bit long, but I have something else that I have to tell you because um, I don't think there will be a better time. The day that Blue passed, I was in Seattle um, where I recorded my last episode, Songversation River Rise. And I had been there for several days, and then I got the call that Blue had passed away. And the day before that, I had the opportunity to spend an afternoon with a woman named Dr. Maxine Mims. Dr. Maxine Mims is 90 years old. She was born March 4th, and she was Maya Angelou's best friend. Now, the reason why I know that she was Maya Angelou's best friend is And the reason why I know her birthday is because I met her at Dr. Maya Angelou's funeral. And she got on the stage and she said, Maya and I have been friends. You know, she was my best friend and we were born exactly a month apart. I was March 4th. She was April 4th. I was her elder. And so we know Dr. Angelou passed away several years ago. I think it was 2013. But Dr. Angelou and Dr. Mims would have been the same age. So Dr. Mims is 90 years old. She lives in outside of Seattle. And she's the founder of Evergreen State College. And she's so wise and cool and funny and brilliant. And she's a teacher. And so she um, intentionally imparts wisdom to you when you're talking. Like, she just fills me up. I've had a chance to be with her twice now. And so the day before Blue passed away, I spent with Dr. Mims at her house. And one of the many things I got to look at and marvel at was this whole bucket of Dr. Angelo's walking sticks. And one of the walking sticks was Nelson Mandela's walking stick that he gave to Dr. Angelo. And so Dr. Angelo left all of the walking sticks to her best friend, Dr. Mims, in her will. And so she said, you know, go on over there and look at him. And there was like some really beautiful carved ones that nobody would really carry, but they were art. And there were other ones that were beautiful and carved that you could tell Dr. Angelo did carry. And there was one in particular that I was really, really drawn to. And it was made out of metal and it was crusted with like all of these smooth, polished um, gemstones. 
And I like that one because of the metal and the gemstones. Some of you may know I am a jewelry maker and jewelry is one of my passions. And so this one was beautiful, but they were all beautiful. But this one I was really drawn to because it felt like Dr. Angelo used this one a lot. And so I said that to her and she said, yes, anytime we would have like a special function or she was dressed up, she would use that stick. And I took the stick. She said, go look in the mirror. She has like this full length mirror that's right inside the front door at the beginning of the living room. Almost like so you can look at yourself on the way out and look at yourself on the way in. And so I went and I looked in the mirror holding the walking stick and I yelled over to her. Oh, my God, I'm one of (laughs) y'all. Oh, shoot. And by one of y'all, I meant one of the one of the ladies in this world who look regal and carry a spiritual mission and is an artist and looks like that. And the truth is that since I was in my early 20s, I would have a vision of myself and what I could be and that I could be that kind of um, important black female elder in the world, like a Cicely Tyson or a Maya, you know, like I could be one of them. And I'm nowhere near the age to be able to say that I am that. But what I saw in the mirror was that I'm on the path to be that. And as long as I continue being being in my truth, that when I'm 90, I would be a woman walking in the shoes of Dr. Angelo and Dr. Mims. And it actually startled me. I looked in the mirror and I jumped because I had never seen it in myself. I felt it, but I've never seen it in myself. And so that day, Dr. Mims gave me an amber necklace that Dr. Angelo gave her. And then Blue passed away the next night or early morning. And then that day I had a show. So Thursday I was with Dr. Mims, Friday Blue passed, and Saturday I had a show. And it, for me, it was like a rite of passage to still show up for the show. I didn't think I was going to be able to sing without crying, but I, it was a small community show. They, were, they weren't really even paying me any money. It was just a small community show. And I wanted to be there for the community. And so I said, I'm going to just show up. And if I break down crying, they'll know that I broke down crying and that I just couldn't do it. So we got to the sound check and I thought about Blue and I couldn't even really get through the sound check because I started crying. And Dr. Mims called me over and she gave me a little mesh baggie that had a beautiful ring in it with like all these little shiny jewels all over it. And she said it was Grandmother Henderson's ring. And Grandmother Henderson was Dr. Angelo's grandmother. So she said she wanted me to have a piece of some great women with me at all times. So I had the amber necklace and I have Dr. Maya Angelo's grandmother's ring. And so all of this together, there's more, but it doesn't pertain to Songversation Ready for Love. But I just want to say that this month of August 2018, for me, all culminated in a spiritual initiation of sorts. Like I went through some things that grew me up a little bit more. And that performance was a rite of passage where I had a chance to be the new me. Because I could have easily said, my friend passed away. I'm going to be on this couch. I'm sorry I can't come to your show. But I didn't. I showed up and I did a full performance and it was lovely. And my friend Joel Cross sat in for Blue. 
<clears throat> if you're following these podcasts, you know Joel's name because he is my co-writer for the song Worthy, the title track for my new project. And all of this together just makes me want to continue to do my work <clears throat> and express myself and speak my truth and sing my truth and to be with people and to perform and to continue my mission of spreading love, healing, peace, and joy through the power of words and music. It's my first time saying that since everything that happened in August and saying it feels even better now because that is who I want to be. <sighs> in closing, I want to say thank you for being on the other end of this conversation because without you, I'd just be talking to myself, which I do a lot, but it's much more fun with you. And um, thank you for listening to my stories. Don't forget, we have a new Instagram page at Songversation Podcast. And that page is for us to meet there. So send me DMs, send me audio messages, send me videos, send me your questions, send me what you like, what you don't like, send me songs you want to hear about. Send them there and I will accept all DMs and all follow requests and I will follow you back from that account. Just, um, just know that I'm creating that page for us. And also, if there's something I mentioned in this podcast that I don't post there but you want to see... Like if I talk about, you know, a video or a singer or a blues band, Gibson Miller or whatever, and I don't put it there, ask for it and I'll put it right on up there. I'm looking forward to cultivating this page for this podcast and being able to put all the things up there that mean a lot to me. So um, we're going to cultivate this page together. So meet me there. And um, I want to celebrate that I've done my first podcast on my new format. This is exciting and uh, and thank you. Just, just thank you. And as always in closing, <laughs> may we clearly hear the song in our hearts. I like that.